the Arrive Early, Leave Late podcast on the road. Hello from the MGM Grand. I am your host, Bethel Duran. We are in Las Vegas Saturday night. Canelo Alvarez takes on Daniel Jacobs, middleweight fight at 160 pounds from the T-Mobile Arena. Uh, and the reason we're in Vegas because we're taking you, the listener, to the events. We're taking you on the road with us. And today, what happens for the fighters? Well, the undercard fighters go near the sports book. They set up a ring and they get in there. They're not necessarily training. It's more of a photo op. It's more of a chance for them to meet some of the fans. They get in the ring. They shadow box. They'll hit some mitts. Maybe in there a couple minutes. And what you're going to hear is the reaction of the fighters in that ring. You're going to hear the fans. The DJ is going to be blasting. So what we did is after these guys got done, grabbed them, took them aside, and just talked to them. Let us introduce you to some of the young fighters that are up and coming in the sport of boxing that you'll be able to see Saturday night on the zone. That's before Canelo Alvarez and Daniel Jacobs go at it. Also, we're going to check in with Lance Pugmire, our boxing writer who's been in Vegas all week long. And Dylan Hernandez, our columnist, will be checking in. And Dylan always has a different perspective. I'm going to try to get him to smile and maybe we'll talk about our dinner plans. It's time for the Arrive Early, Leave Late podcast. I'm your host, Beth Duran. It's Thursday, May 2nd. Start off the podcast with the combat sports writer, boxing, MMA, a fantastic newsletter on Tuesdays, the one and only Lance Pugmire. Lance, the boxing newsletter is called? The Fight Corner. And it comes out? Every Tuesday, although this week we uh, had a special edition uh, today on Wednesday, and then another edition will come out on Friday just because we're in the middle of a major fight week. And how do you sign up for it? Oh, just uh, click on the link, and basically you can sign up for it to be emailed to your uh, inbox uh, on a weekly basis. Yeah, I had that. I just read it right before these fighter workouts happened. Andy Ruiz mentioned in there, I guess Anthony Joshua. You have all kinds of stuff in that newsletter. Now, is your voice a little raspy, Lance? You okay? A little bit. I've been a little bit under the weather, but I'm fine. Are you going to power through it? Are you going to make oh, weight? Oh, big time. Are you going to make weight on Friday? No doubt about it. I actually <laughs> got to get on the treadmill as soon as we're done here. There you go. I've covered, I think, Canelo's fights for the last four years. Having done the international broadcast, I've been involved with Golden Boy. I've seen the grand arrivals on Tuesday. And there's no knocking against Daniel Jacobs, but Daniel Jacobs isn't bringing a big crowd with him. It feels different this time, right? Am I alone in this thinking? Not as big as the Golovkin fights that we've had. So I think that, yeah, it's a little bit different. But I'm telling you this. I mean, as the boxing writer, not that I spend a ton of time breaking down the X's and O's of a fight, but this has the uh, great ability to be a... Mm -hmm competitive battle inside there. I completely agree with that, having called two of Daniel Jacobs' fights and having... Actually, I worked a fight with him in Puerto Rico where he was my analyst. Wow. Back really smart fight. guy. Yeah, I was really impressed. It was the first time he had done TV and in our fighter meetings, he's talking about, whoa, like this guy is just a good dude right mm-hmm. here. Very good. Uh, big fan of him as a person and I expect this fight to be a really good one. Now, for you, when do you show up to Vegas? I actually got here on Tuesday, which is... It's a long grind in Las Vegas. Yeah. You got to watch yourself, especially when you're hanging out with the likes of Dylan Hernandez. Yeah, it, it's not that you're complaining, but it, there's something every single day. you got to write every single day. Actually, we pulled you away from writing your story for today's paper because you're figuring things out. You have Virgil Ortiz, a young fighter that's the co-main, 12-0, 12 KOs, trained by Robert Garcia in Riverside. But this kid is different, isn't he? 
He really is. He's a special talent. He's got sensational power, and I think that he he moves very well in the ring. Now he's facing really his most veteran test in Mauricio Herrera, again, from Riverside, like you said, 38 years old. Virgil's 21. The disparity between the two of these guys is sensational because I just talked to Mauricio Herrera, and he was saying, look, I have to be honest with myself. The thought of my career being one fight away from the end is a very real thing. I try to keep those thoughts at bay, but I know, honestly, I need to be very honest about where I stand. And this test of Virgil Ortiz is, in my opinion, going to push him even closer to the brink. And we're going to talk about the undercard fighters because that's who we are going to speak with in a couple of minutes. But Joseph Diaz Jr. has fought for a world title, came up short against Gary Russell, but he's also on the card and he is now in a new division, 130 pounds. And he's a fighter who's calling out the champions changing that nice innocent you know wholesome the kid you want to take home to meet your parents all that other stuff to is he like swearing yeah he's swearing oh on interviews he's swearing on his social media he's calling out champions and let's just go and he's now 26 he's a man and i think he's also a fighter who's realizing you know what the being nice isn't going to get you anywhere he's in there with gervonta davis you got to keep up there yeah that's, uh, that's it. it. it's a good undercard that golden boy has yeah pretty solid undercard i mean they've got some decent fights on it i think that obviously when you talk not just about the undercard but this card entirely this is a watershed fight for the zone i mean they've really they're pushing hard to try to get to a million subscribers by the end of the Triple G fight, which is coming up on June 8th. And so I believe that everything that you're talking about with the guys that are on this undercard, like Lamont Roach and uh, some of those other guys, they're going to need this card to do very well to be able to make that push the point where they want to reach. This morning, they held the final press conference for Canelo and Daniel Jacobs. It was Caw Theater at the MGM is where they have Something fancy. I'm not a fancy guy, so I don't have an ascot, so I probably can't go in there. But I saw your tweets when Eddie Hearn, who runs Matchroom Boxing, was talking about how a year ago DAZONE came to show up in North America. And your tweets were about the business side of it. And boxing fans had to adjust the way they watch your sports. It's no longer pay-per-view. It's, you know, where can I watch this fight on what channel? There is no channel. It's mm -hmm. an app. It's evolving. Heck, we're doing a podcast about a fight that's on an app. It's 2019. Why is the business model for zone in this fight really important? Because I think that they realize, just like we've had to realize in the newspaper industry, that the younger audience wants to consume its news and its events in a different way. And let's be honest, how many people do we see that are below the age of 30 on their phones all the time? Even I mean, we're on our phones all the time. Uh -huh. So this is the way to now watch these events. It's a killer deal. Honestly, I'm not trying to put out an advertisement for DAZN at all. But I'm just saying, if you can look at $99 for the year to be able to get a pay-per-view quality fight like this, that's something that would have cost you about $70 under the old HBO and Showtime models. If you're a big boxing fan, this is the way to go. It's just a matter of if you're a little bit technologically challenged, you're going to have to figure it out yeah, and quick. It, it's uh, find a 12-year-old that can set up your phone. Yes. And if you don't know, if you're like, I got to watch on my phone. No, you can't. There's all kinds of ways. Just go to YouTube and find a kid that'll help you figure that out. They'll do it for you. That'll be Saturday night uh, on DAZN T-Mobile Arena. It's expected to be a sellout. It's not officially a sellout yet. But it always ends up being a sellout because you're going to have a huge drive up fan base that shows up. You know what? Friday, maybe. You know what? Let's just go because I heard the Arrive Early Leave Day podcast. They're getting me there. Why not? Let's <laughs> just go. And it, it's Vegas. It, you know what? That's why we're doing this. Our sports editor, Angel Rodriguez, sent us here for the podcast, myself and Dave Wine. To, hey, go out there and take the listener 
to Vegas. Lance is going to be there. Dylan's going to be there. But you guys go and peek the picture. And I keep telling people, Vegas is always cool. But a Vegas fight weekend, always cool. But a fight weekend with Canelo involved on Cinco de Mayo, it's just a matchup of everything that goes right. It, It has a different vibe. No doubt about it. And I'm really looking forward to our Friday event that we're going to be doing at Losers yeah. Lounge at MGM Grand, 5 p.m. start. Yep. You know what? Honestly, I, and I, Dylan probably feels this way too. Sometimes you feel like you're just pecking on a machine and sending words out into this either space where you're not sure who's reading it. I would love to see a bunch of readers show up to mm-hmm. that event. And you know, whether you want to be a digital subscriber or not, I hope you are. I think it's a killer deal. Please come by just to be able to talk boxing and listen to the guys that I believe with our reach we can bring to this event and you know, spend an hour listening to boxing, talking boxing, and you know, shaking a couple of hands and getting to know us because we we'd all appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, we will see you Friday at the Losers Lounge at the MGM Grand. You're like, what's the Losers Lounge? If you're walking to the pool, it's the pool, right? You know where the pool is at, people. You know yeah, you're going that way. It's the country bar. It's right around the corner. Perfect spot where you can go and you see everybody. I love country music. Well, just for you, Lance, we will put country music out there for you. We'll find you some Spanish country song that'll be there. Oh, My sorry. two favorite places to go, honestly, in Vegas, and I may be a complete nerd on this, are Losers Lounge at MGM okay. and Nine Fine Irishmen at uh, New York, New York. Both are incredible. Is that the dueling piano one? No, it's the Irish band. Nine Fine Irishmen? Nine Fine Irishmen is incredible, well, you know what? especially on a Conor McGregor fight week. Oh, well, I was here for Ricky Hatton. Let me tell you something. There's only one. Yes, yes, there is. <laughs> Lance Plugmeyer, we appreciate you. We'll talk to you tomorrow on that podcast. Go back to writing. Thank you so much, Beto. And now with Lance going away, pecking away at his uh, machine, I think this called a typewriter because I don't have one. Is that a typewriter you got over there? A stenographer? You got all that other stuff? <laughs> Lance is actually working on uh, the Virgil Ortiz story. Let me give you the picture. Right now, we're going to talk to the undercard fighters. It'll be Virgil Ortiz, Joseph Diaz Jr., and Mauricio Herrera. The reason we chose them, Southern California ties. Mauricio Riverside, Virgil trains in Riverside, and Joseph Diaz Jr. from South El Monte. Virgil Ortiz. Now, I know you play the piano. I know you play the guitar. What's up with the microphone? This is the first time you actually get to hold your own? I haven't done much singing, and uh, you don't want to hear me sing, so I just stick to the instruments. Now, how did you learn to play these instruments? There was a professional boxer. He gave me a a guitar when I was in the fifth grade, and I just picked it up by myself. And on the piano, uh, I I just got bored of the guitar. I wanted to learn something new. I wanted to challenge myself, and I learned the piano all by myself. Just like that? You taught yourself how to play two instruments? It was easy. Oh, it was easy. Okay. Just (laughs) the way boxing, you made it look easy with a record of 12 0, 12 (laughs) KO. What's harder, preparing for a fight week or teach yourself piano? Uh, I don't know. I I would honestly say they're they're about the same. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just switch your mind to it and it's whatever. Now you're in Vegas. You fought in Vegas before. I think your second fight, that's when I got to see you for the first time. You were fighting at three in the afternoon. Now you're the co main, Mm -hmm. and it was only two years ago. The rise, you told me this, it's going to happen. Oscar sale is going to happen. Did you expect it this soon? I didn't expect it this soon, but I'm not surprised that it happened this soon. Because, you know, I just work too hard in the ring and in the gym. And, uh, you know, hard work pays off. You're from the Dallas, Texas area. Go ahead. Shout out your high school. Uh, shout out to uh, everybody in uh, Grand Prairie, Grand Prairie High School. Uh, all my teachers there, they all yeah. love me still. Right. I was the best student. You were the best yeah. student, the best cross-country runner. Yep. How fast did you run your cross-country? Um, don't I act a, like you don't know the run number. No, I do. I do. I do. It's uh, 17 minutes and 20. <laughs> so it's not that fast. It's like. You weren't trying, though. It, it was kind of hard doing boxing and cross-country at the same time. I would have been a lot better, but. 
it was hard doing two sports. Now, Southern California is where you're training with Robert Garcia yeah. in Riverside. For To be in Vegas on a Canelo card is always cool. But when you're on this level, now you have to come to media workouts. Now you have to do a lot of interviews. Now everybody knows Virgil's name is exactly what you and your father dreamed of when you were that young kid. But to see it, to actually be part of it, how cool is it? Oh, it's really cool. You know, it is, all of this is actual proof that everything that we've been through in the past 16 years, uh, we've been doing it right, and uh, it's all paying off. Now, Virgil, V-E-R-G-I-L, yeah. where'd that spelling come from? My dad. That's my dad's uh, name. That's your dad, yeah, right? I'm but you're junior. not a junior. I'm a junior. Oh, you are a junior. Well, the second junior, we don't know the difference. It's the same thing. But you're going to make your name for yourself Saturday night against Mauricio Herrera. Of course. And he's a veteran, probably the most experienced guy you've gone up against, would you say? Yeah. Uh, not in the ring. I've sparred many world champions before, so being in a ring with someone at his caliber, not even his caliber, I've been in a ring with better people. This isn't going to be that much of a surprise to me. Yeah, it's not that you're overly cocky, it's just you're confident because of the way you train. You live that healthy life, you're asleep by 9 o'clock, you're not going anywhere. You follow your social media, and I say this as a compliment, it's boring, as it should be for a fighter, because you're <laughs> yeah. up early running, yeah. you work out, you spar Mikey Garcia in the best of the best in Robert Garcia's camp. And then at night, you're winding down by playing your guitar or piano. Oh, yeah. Oh, that too. See, I'm not, as a dad, I'm not trying to bring up Fortnite, but go ahead. Uh, yeah, How yeah. good are you at Fortnite? I'm pretty good at Fortnite. <laughs> but I get killed a lot. <laughs> you, do you do the dances? Heck yeah. All right. <laughs> your social media is? Virgil Ortiz on Instagram and Twitter. All right, Virgil Ortiz, 21 years old, 12 and 0, 12 KOs. We'll see you Saturday night on the zone. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Jojo Diaz, thanks for joining us now. You and I go way back when I saw you. 2012 Olympic debut. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Let me correct myself. Fresh off the Olympics, pro debut right. at the sports arena that doesn't exist anymore. And now in Las Vegas, you fought on these cars before, but it's always got to be special where you've come from in South Amani to be in Las Vegas. Oh, it's very special, man. I mean, I'm just a, a kid from South Amani, grew up struggling, man. And just to know that all dreams are coming true, all the hard work is paying off. Fighting on such a big card and such a big magnitude card on the Canelo Jacobs card, especially on such a big weekend, Cinco de Mayo weekend. I am Mexican-American, so I'm fighting for my Latinos as well. I got to go out and show out for, for them. It's just a dream come true, and I'm ready to go out and perform. You're fighting at 130 pounds. Now, you part of the thing when you're an Olympian, you get a little extra treatment early on in your career. You get good cards, so you fought in Vegas. But when you're on the main card, when Canelo is like right after you and you do that, you have to earn that. They might give you a shot, but if you don't perform, you don't get that. You fought for the world title, came up short against Gary Russell. Now at 130, you're ready to fight some of the best. You didn't get the opponent you wanted this weekend, but regardless though, you got to put on a show or else it's back of the line, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, boxing's a really, very tough sport. It's either sink or swim. And right now, I'm Michael Falping, man. I'm swimming. I'm swimming through the ocean, man. But I got to go out there and perform at Wait, my what's best. what's that word? Michael Falping. Michael Falping. <laughs> <laughs> I just made that up right Man, now, dude. You know what? That's not like talking to you because you make me feel like I'm 40. Michael Felping right now? I know you're all young and hip and modern and with like yellow pants and what do you got like? Got well, cheetah print. Cheetah print. Oh, yeah, I got my hair dyed now. You got your hair with it blue? You look like, like Bad blue. Bunny right now. Yeah, I, I wanted to just get it like turquoise and yellow, but they did it all different colors, so it was cool. Man. Are you going to keep it, it like that for the fight? Yeah, I'm going to keep it like this for the fight. Uh, see, yeah, it's just about marketing, you know. Yeah. Hey, that's why you're there. on the Arrive Early, Leave Late podcast because it is about a marketing. Now, take the listener through this. Where it's Right now it's Wednesday. You hear music in the background because you did a, a media workout where the fans get to see you. You come out there and you just shadow box and you're out there in the ring for like five minutes. 
But getting that close exposure to the fans, you have a big smile on your face. It's huge, isn't it? It's very huge. That actually brings a lot, and that actually uh, sells you, too. I mean, you got to do all this stuff. A lot of fighters, they don't like doing the media workouts. They're all angry and all pissed off, and I understand because they're making weight. I mean, it's already almost time to make weight, and it's already almost time for the fight, so they're already closing camp. But at the end of the day, like I said, man, you got to put on a good smile. All these fans, man, they paid hard-working money out here to get out here to Vegas to watch us fight. So you got to go out there, take pictures, smile, and just put on a good performance, man. We're performers at the end of the day. All right, we're a couple feet away from Hakkasan, the club at uh, MGM. You going there after your fight Saturday? Nah, man. Actually, I got another after party set up either. I might go to Omnia. I'm probably going to go to Hyde, but I got to suit out the Cosmos, so you guys are more than welcome. We'll have okay. some drinks and celebrate. So after if you're a listener of the Arrive Early, Leave Late podcast, go to <laughs> Cosmo, tell them you're on JoJo's VIP list. VIP list, Be- yeah. But you have to say you heard it on the podcast. Yes. Okay, and if you have any problems, text him. His number is 626. <laughs> <laughs> don't go there. Don't go there. Don't go there. <laughs> well, okay, let me ask you this, though. Like, you said you have a party planned afterwards. You didn't do it, right? Your marketing people do that for you, Yeah, right? so yeah. yeah. So my marketing people, they did that for me. They were like, hey, you want to have a, a victory celebration, a party after the fight? I was like, yeah, man, we're in Vegas. Why yeah. not, man? Have a few drinks. I'm 26 years old, man. I'm, I'm ready to adult, dude. Yeah. I'm not a little kid yeah. hiding, you, like, you drinking You can rent a car. You can do that. Yeah, I can do Because people always say that. Like, dude, he's planning an after party. He's not focused on the fight. And I try telling people, like, no, like, yeah, there's people exactly. that do that for you. Yeah, I know, man. All right, Come all right. on. But for real, though, we can go? Yeah, you guys are more than welcome, right, dude. Cool. Yeah, right. we're going to be at the Cosmo. And then after, like I said, we're either going to go to Omnia or the Hyde. We got it all scheduled. Man, let me tell you this. Is there going to be a line? No, no, dude, come on. We're going to get all access, yeah. baby. You know it. Okay, well, then you better win because we want to go. Because, like, let's see. My bedtime's midnight uh, in Vegas. So oh, right. hell no. Nah, nah. I partied with Bethel before, there, there man. It's bedtime's go. at 8 o'clock there in the morning. There we go. There we go. Now, back to the fight, though. You're fighting a, somebody that wasn't originally scheduled for you. Mentally, how tough is that where you're like, I want somebody else, but they give you this guy? Because it seems like this fighter that you're taking on from Nicaragua. He came in and he, at the grand arrival, flinched at you like yeah. you're in fifth grade. And you're like, no, I don't like this. I was like, what the hell is this guy doing, man? But like I said, I have an eight-week training camp, but we were trying to like get opponents. We were trying to get Andrew Concho. We were trying to get Tevin Farmer, Renee Alvarado. None of those, Scott Quigg and then none Jason so- Sosa. Yeah. None of them worked out, man. At the end of the day, I thought I was going to get his brother, Francisco Fonseca. But that didn't help. Ended up turning out either. So just like two weeks in advance, literally two weeks before my fight, we got this guy, uh, Freddie. He said that he's been training for about. Wait, wait, wait! 10 You're weeks. fighting the brother. Yeah, I'm fighting the brother. I thought I was fighting Javante Davis and Tevin Farmer's yeah. guy, but I didn't. I'm fighting his brother now. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's okay, well, insane. It's a crazy story, okay, see, but at the end of the day, here's the thing. Here's the thing. People like, who are listening for the first time hearing you, because you know we have sports fans, but then we're trying to introduce them to this. They don't understand that world, right? Because for you, it's, I don't know who he is. Just put him in front of me. Let's just go. That's fine when you're 3-0. Mm-hmm. When you're on the world-class level, you need to have an idea who you're going to fight, right? Yes, exactly. Especially because you're fighting on such a big stage. You want to plan out and you want to strategize and have a game plan. This guy's a lefty and he's tall and rangy. So if I wouldn't have found out, man, it would have like blew me by surprise. <laughs> so when I found out that he was lefty and stuff, we actually bought in some lefty sparring partners okay. and we got that good work. So we're ready for whatever he brings to the table. Now, when you come to Vegas and you fight on this kind of stage, it's cool. But when you're fighting on Cinco de Mayo weekend, Oscar Deloitte, Golden Boy Promotions, you're going to be on The Zone, all that other stuff. At the end of the day, though, do people still bug you for tickets now? Dude, I had a lot Seriously? of people. Yeah, it's insane. They're like, hey, are you going to hook me up? Are you going to do this? I spent a, I spent a lot of money personally out of my pocket. I spent about like $6,000 on tickets. Wait, how many just people? Just for my how, people. How many did you buy? 22 tickets. Why? 
just to give out, just so for my like my friends and people that forget actually, your friends, bro. No, they not, not telling you cut your friends off. No, they're my friends, but they're my business associates. Oh, as well. okay. Oh, like they're my business partners. Okay. And all right, stuff. All right, yeah. All right. Okay. You so, got smart. You're, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're so business I, they, man. They scratch my back. I scratch theirs. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. like you're hooking up the dude from third grade. No, no. Hell no. Jojo, remember me? No, I don't remember you. Nah, nah. They got it by their asses. Take it, dude. Joseph Diaz Jr. Your social media is is Joseph Diaz Jr. on Instagram and Joseph Diaz Jr. on Twitter too. Go follow him Saturday night on the zone. He'll be the second fight, so you'll be fighting a little bit before seven o'clock. Go and check him out. That's all leading up to Canelo and Jacobs Saturday night. Jojo, good luck to you. We'll definitely talk to you soon. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. Saturday night, T-Mobile Arena. You've been in Vegas before. You've been on the big stages, Mauricio. They called you and they said you're going to take on Virgil Ortiz. 12 and 0, 12 KOs, 21 year old. I have a feeling, knowing you, having worked a lot of your fights, you're like, yeah, so what? Let's do it. Forget the record, right? Exactly. I mean, when I got this opportunity again, it was, yeah, it was a no brainer. I was like, hey, all right, another youngster, put him up, let's see what he got. And uh, I'm here at the stage again. So, and I'm not just here to lay down, you know, I actually come to win all, all my fights. You grew up in the Inland Empire, Riverside is your home, that's your base. You went from fighting in the small ballrooms at Thompson Boxing at the Doubletree, making a name for yourself there. You actually got a late start in boxing, now in Vegas. And you fought here before, but there's nothing like a Vegas fight, right? It's just so cool. Oh, exactly. All that. I mean, me, my wife, we always love coming to Vegas. My family loves it here. I actually feel pretty comfortable here in Vegas. I mean, I'm a gambler myself. I love coming here. And oh, what do you play? What do you gamble? I play everything. Roulette, blackjack. Roulette? What's everything. your number? Everything. Tw 23. Well, that's my wife's number, so I stole it from her. She's <laughs> right, always so winning. Forget yeah. the boxing. We got yeah. the important stuff here. Roulette. Exactly. So when roulette. you walk up, how do you set it up? Oh, I don't know. I just surround 23. All right. So right there. Put, put the number on 23 and everything around. Surround it, yeah. But so it has to be at 2-3 in the morning. That's when you win. It can't be right now. You got to wait. 2-3 in the afternoon? No. No, two, no. Wait till 2-3 in the morning and put it up there. With a beer in your hand? Yeah, when you got to be tipsy. When you're not training. When you're yeah, not training. Yeah, you got to be feeling in. You put it on there. Hey, isn't it the best, though, when your number does hit and you have oh, it surrounded? Yeah. Definitely. It hit like 2-3 in a row at one oh. time because they leave it there so. You know what the worst feeling for me, though? Because I play roulette sometimes, right? My number's 28. These yeah. were in the 20s because that was my baseball number in high school. When you see it and you're just walking by and you're like, damn it, it hit it, my... It always hits. When you go there, you see it just, just right? hit. Right? Yeah. When you're walking by and, you're like, and then you go back and it never hits for a while. Yeah, oh, no, no, no. That sucks. <laughs> I had 28 and 29, too. Those are my okay. numbers, yeah. That's cool. So what other games you play? Uh, I like blackjack. I okay. play blackjack, the machines. Do a little bit of all baccarat, everything with the chino and everything. Yeah, dude, baccarat's the big money, huh? It, it, well, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's you can win big and lose big. Okay, yeah, quick, that's what but, Oscar used to play. But it, it, I mean, it's fun, and I'll be doing that after the fight. You see me all over the casino. That's that's what I like about you. I've been knowing you for a while, having called a bunch of your fights. You are the fan favorite because the fan relates to you. Because how many fighters take themselves too serious, or athletes in general, they take themselves too serious? We're like, oh no, I gotta do this. You're like, look. I have a job to do Saturday. You're on weight. You're ready to go. You're professional. Yeah. But afterwards, man, give me a beer. Oh no, I'm not hiding. I'm I'm right there in the mix doing everything. Yeah, you're not spending all your money. No, but no. Like, hey. Well, we'll see. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> well, now back to the fight though. What's it like when you're preparing for a fight in Vegas? Like, it's one thing to fight other places, but now there's so many compromises. You have. The compromisos that they say in Spanish. Yeah. You have to do the arrivals. You have to do the interviews. You have to do this stuff. You told me earlier, like, I already talked to you a lot of times. Like, well, yeah, now it's for a podcast. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, it, it, before, you know, it'd be frustrating, but uh, you get used to it. And, you know, what you know, you know what you got to do. Yeah. At the same part, it's, it's exciting fighting here in Vegas. I mean, honestly, I on December, I fought at the 
uh, at, at the, what's it called? New York. Yeah, Madison Square Garden. Madison Square Garden. And yeah, against Saddam Ali. I did not, it, it did not feel at home, did not feel good. It just, it felt, I'm not getting like a father Thompson show. That's yeah. my mentality went in. But Vegas, I don't know, it always just it feels buzz, ultimate. man. That buzz, you know, the people are excited. They're playing like Disneyland for adults, you know, they're all <laughs> everywhere. I think they're going to enjoy, you know, the boxing shows. So I'm all in on that. What, what about finding on Cinco de Mayo weekend as a Mexican-American? Well, that, well, that's just, I mean, that just tops it all. I mean, yeah. see, who does not want to be in Vegas, Cinco de Mayo, on a Canelo undercard, big fight night, and party afterwards? What we're doing with this podcast, we're trying to take the listener who's never been to a fight weekend, yeah. what it's like, and you're giving us a perfect example for it. But for as a fighter, though, what's your routine during the week? I know you have to do a lot of stuff, but what do you do? Well, you know, it's kind of hard going by all these slot machines, going by all these cocktails and people having fun, you know. But you know you're going to have that fun after the fight, so you have to stay focused. It's really hard, too, you know, because you're you're on, you're on trying to stay on weight, so you're not eating, you're not drinking as much, but you just know it's going to be all worth it. How do you, like, train? Because if you're at home, up until the last couple of days, you would be able to make weight yeah. in your own gym. Here yeah. at a hotel, you've been here since Monday. It's different. How do you yeah, do that? Yeah, but, uh, you know, since I've been here before, I mean, I'm kind of comfortable. I just use their gym. Okay. Um, mostly trying to relax. I mean, all the hard work is done, so I'm not going to get any faster, any better, learn anything new. It's that week where you just kind of rest your body, but keeping it loose in the gym or in the sauna and keeping the manage the weight. For the, I know you well, but for the people listening for the first time, how old were you when you turned pro? Actually, I started at 13 years old in the gym. Uh, my first amateur fight was at 18, which is pretty old, yeah. and turned pro at 27 years old. You turned pro at 27, 27. so you've had to earn everything, the grind. Yeah, so I, I grinded at 27 and said, you know what, give me the best fight, the hardest fight, give me tough fights and, and, and see what I have. I have to do this quick, so, and I mean, look at it, he brought me to Golden Boy, T-Mobile Arena like three times, so I'm here doing it. You've been the... B-side for the B-sides, the people who are the underdog, the guys that nobody really paid much attention to. When you fought Danny Garcia in Puerto Rico, yeah. recently against Saddam Ali, here you're the underdog again. But it's a role that guys like you are the backbone of boxing when you're like, I know what I'm going to do. Don't underestimate me, though, because yeah. I'm a dog. I'm going to yeah. bring it to you. How do you stay locked in? Well, you know, you got to stay motivated. Some fights I can't. You know, some fights are not motivated. But Vegas fight, a young fighter, hungry line, coming forward. That's all the motivation I need right there, to look good, to entertain the crowd. And I've done good here, so I mean, I had pretty good luck here in Vegas, so let's see. We're going to give the people a good fight. How old do you know? I'm now 38. You're right, but it might sound old, but boxing-wise, you're still fresh. Yeah, I'm not beaten down or beaten up, so I, I feel I'm just as fresh as anybody. So when I fought Danny, I was in my 30s yeah. still. And Danny was young in his 20s. So you're used to going up against some young So though. yeah, and I, mean, I fought Benavides too that same year. I mean... I fought a lot of youngsters, and nobody ever brought up my age. For some reason, they like to bring my age. Now they're bringing my age to me hey, now. So after you turn 35, everything, they all want to bring up the age. That, yeah. should, my boss is trying to tell me, oh, you're 40 now. You're too yeah, old. Yeah, he's trying to get you to retire. Yeah, yeah, right. Are you a sportsman? Uh, not big. You're a soccer I, I, guy, right? No, I, I watch some sports, but I don't follow anything really. Since boxing took over, like when I was younger, we liked baseball and stuff. But okay. once boxing, I just never. All boxing. I never. I never and I'd be surprised, but I never caught up, stayed up with football or baseball really? or basketball. I know you just work on your house, and yeah, that's it. Boxing, working at my house, and coming out and gambling. Well, good. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, you get the victory yeah. on Saturday, and then you afterwards, you take that check and put it all on 23, right? All, all of on, it? On 23, and you're 28 and 29. There we go. Mauricio yeah. Herrera, El Maestro is the nickname. You'll see him Saturday on zone against Virgil Ortiz. It's pretty cool to hear... The fighters talk about their experience now. Canelo Alvarez and Daniel Jacobs. 
They don't do these media workouts. They do a big world tour to promote their fight. But for these young fighters, I always tell them, you know, the, the goal is not to do this. The goal is to have your own press conference where you don't have to worry about these things. But it's really cool just to hear it in their voices and also see their faces. They're still young enough where they appreciate these kind of moments. They're not salty like our next guest, Dylan Hernandez, who uh, for many years traveling the road with the Dodgers, uh, I think the road hardened you, Dylan Hernandez. Or were you like that out of the womb? Hardened me? I, I, who, who brings more enthusiasm than me? <laughs> I just like setting you up like that because the people that listen to the Arrive Early Leave Late podcast and the people that tweet me whenever we have you on, they like that I needle you, but they don't understand that I'm one of your biggest fans and that it's an inside joke and that you really do love your job. Don't tell people that. We have, we have so many inside jokes. we got inside jokes inside of yeah. jokes, right? <laughs> Anyways. How's uh, your week in Vegas gone so far? You know, it's kind of a weird week, right? I mean, it I'm is. not I'm not sure. I don't think there's quite as much buzz here as, as there was for the Golovkin fights. Um, you know, there's certainly not. It's just a fight, right? This isn't, you know, especially the, the second Canelo-Golovkin fight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Abel Sanchez kind of manufactured some of the antagonism there. But there was, you know, some friendly, it wasn't friendly, some unfriendly back and forth there. And here you just kind of have two nice guys that are seem to be very professional, uh, who are both good at fighting. And they're just going to kind of fight, the, you have this fight. And there really aren't these kind of, you know, surrounding uh, storylines too much, right? I mean, it's Then really, how do you as a writer or as a columnist figure something out? Well, I'm really getting desperate here, you know. I mean, I really... I mean, obviously, in any fight, the judging is going to be an issue. So it's not something that I write about that much. But, you know, in this case, <laughs> I went there today. Uh, so my, you know, the column that's running in the, what, Thursday edition of the paper... I brought up the fact that, uh, you know, interestingly, the three judges for this fight are the same three judges who gave Canelo the decision over Golovkin in September. Uh-huh. So it's the same three judges. You know, Ocean's three is back, so to speak, to, uh, you know, so lock up your cars and hold on to your wallets because you don't know what's what going to happen. You know, it's interesting because uh, I could see it both ways. I mean, because obviously, look, I mean, the, the reality is, is that, and I don't think that there's necessarily uh, anything nefarious going on where it's like flagrantly like, okay, let's, let's fix it for this guy to win. Mm-hmm. Yet that said, I think everybody knows what's supposed to happen, what's good for the sport, what's good for the city. And there is a bit of a conflict of interest here, right, where, you know, the state of Nevada, the athletic commission, but, you know, that's run by the state of Nevada is the one who appoints the judges. And, you know, they want to look out for Nevada's economy, right? I mean, or, right, so you're going conspiracy theory here? I just think that what happens... Because a lot of boxing fans are agreeing with you right now. Yeah, I mean, I just think that there is a... Well, because I think, right, you talk to anybody who's close to the sport, they'll tell you that this is a close to a 50-50 fight. It right? is. I believe so. Yeah, right. Maybe at the most, like 60-40, 55-45, but it's a, either way, it's a close fight. And you look at the odds, it's about a 4-1 to fight right now in Canelo's favor. Right? It is. So that tells you kind of that, you know, again, whenever these fights, you know, uh, Jacobs himself was involved in one of these when he mm-hmm. fought Golovkin. Golovkin at that time hadn't fought Canelo yet, and there was a lot of momentum. Well, at that time, Golovkin right. had knocked out 20 opponents in a row. Right. And he went the distance with Daniel And Jacobs. there was this entire buildup for a Canelo fight, yes. right? Golovkin-Canelo. And I thought, you know, at the time when I saw it, at the time, I thought, Jacobs won the fight. I scored it again on Monday, I guess, the day before I came out here. I had Jacobs winning again. And that's not to say that I had it right necessarily, but, you know, coincidentally or not, the house fighter got the decision. It's interesting the way that you bring it up, and that's why, you know, the start of the podcast, we t- Lance uh, Pugmire giving us 
what it's like covering boxing as a beat. You, as a columnist, you can go in these different avenues and educate the fan about the backstory. Yeah, I think so, too. You know, And I think that there is kind of a an appetite for it. I mean, the one thing about boxing fans is, for the most part, I actually think they're pretty... Like educated, right? Yeah. Like the, I, would there, I would say a higher percentage of boxing fans know about the details of the finer points mm-hmm. of boxing than say the percentage of like basketball fans With the, who know the details. The of boxing about. fans that are loud are the minority. Correct. The ones that are just like do or die with their guy that's the minority the majority are educated about it and they know their sport they know the rules because they'll beat the school to me on something like wow you're right bro like especially when i do a broadcast i say something wrong they let me know what happened 18 years ago with one guy so yeah and i thought it was fascinating you know actually i don't know if this is the right thing to do but i took my five-year-old son to the the card at the forum last week as you should and uh yeah my dad was just kind of like you know what like it's educational for him to see somebody get beat up really bad i've taken my kids Um, to fights but um, my daughter's gone to fights. but that's the thing though right is there was a row of fans behind us and they were they were all speaking in spanish whatever but Uh the yeah yeah, and there were vulgarities (laughs) right uttered for sure but what was interesting was just kind of their running commentary amongst each other you can tell they knew what they were watching Mm -hmm. right they were talking about the guy's footwork and his jab and this and that and you got a lot of the kind of finer points you know and that is actually one of the the interesting things about this fight to me is kind of you know breaking down like the minute parts of this this is really this canelo jacobs fight is really like a fight fans yes it is fight right it's gonna be fun to watch um, this on saturday you night. know because a lot of the tactical stuff you know even though jacobs he he moves like a boxer he doesn't really have like a lot of like the classic boxer techniques he's not a mm-hmm. he's not a guy who's gonna slip punches and counter you he's more a guy who covers up a lot and you know kind of waits for you to finish unloading your punches and then he goes off and shoots off a combination of his own and i'm really kind of curious i think how you know alvarez given right if a guy's just kind of covering up in front of him he's to me the probably like the best combination puncher in boxing right now yeah and everything he throws is hard you know so i'm guessing right now jacobs for him the challenge is going to be to kind of maintain as much space between them as much as possible and so i think from that standpoint there's a lot of kind of interesting stuff there and i and i think you're right you know that if we had a forum to talk about these things you know maybe we won't get two million people listening but say the, the we'll 40, take a million and a half yeah we'll <laughs> take a million say, say the 40 or 50 thousand people that really care about this stuff i think might here you go saturday night on the zone canelo daniel jacobs go at it for the first time t-mobile arena la times will be there dylan will be writing arash will be writing lance pugmire will be writing also the la times arrive early podcast we're on location in las vegas and if you're coming to vegas friday is the weigh-in at t-mobile afterwards Five o'clock at the MGM, the Losers Lounge is called. It's the country bar. Like if you're going towards the pool of Wet Republic, that way we're going to have a little roundtable. We've invited a bunch of different boxers, but let me tell you this right now. Behind the scenes, you tell a boxer, they'll tell you yes. But when they show up, they won't remember until five minutes before you tell them, hey, are you coming? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on my way. So we've had confirmation from a lot of different fighters. It's going to be really cool. It's for LA Times subscribers. If arrive early, leave a podcast. It's not going to be an interview session. It's just going to be a roundtable where we're talking, we're having fun. Uh, a couple guys have told me, hey, I only got a couple minutes. Can I do that? Sure. Another guy, hey, I got 45 minutes. Cool. It'll be really fun. It's something to do after the weigh-in on Friday. So it's at 5 o'clock, Loser's Lounge, inside the MGM. We're going to try to record it for a podcast. We're not too sure. But without a doubt, though, we will have more coverage from Las Vegas. Thursday is the undercard press conference. For these younger fighters, some of you've heard of, they will be available. And then there's fights at the Hard Rock. So we have all kinds of coverage 
for you. We're really action-packed. It's really cool that the Arrive Early Leave Late podcast is on the road. We've been at Staples Center for the Lakers' last game slash Magic's quitting the the Clippers uh, playoffs. Now we're in Las Vegas for Catello Jacobs. So, Dylan, thanks a lot for your time. We'll talk to you tomorrow in the podcast, and we'll see where you can go. Where have you eaten so far? Did you have the Brazilian food? I did. Okay. Have you hit up Tacos del Gordo? Not yet. Do you like it? I've never been there. I don't You've think. never been there? No, where's Okay, that? arrive early, leave late podcast. Tonight we are going to Tacos El Gordo. We got to go. Uh, definitely. I wonder if Lance ever been there. Lance, you ever been to Tacos El Gordo? Oh, my goodness. He just did Fat Burger the first time, like last time. I, Wait, I dragged him into a Fat Burger family. You, you know Al Pastor, right? Where they have the food the, on the skewer? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's what we're going to do. Where is that? It's right by Circus Circus. We're going. Road trip. Thanks to everybody involved. Lance Pugmire, uh, Virgil Ortiz. Mauricio Herrera, Joseph Diaz Jr., Dylan Hernandez, producer Dave Wine, also mixed by Mike Heflin, edited by Eric Breiner. Fidel Martinez is running the social media. Make sure you follow all the action at LA Times Sports. I'm your host, Bethel Duran. Thanks for listening to the Arrive Early Leave Late podcast from Las Vegas. We'll have another one for you tomorrow. Tomorrow.